0: So welcome everybody to the XYZ Experiment podcast. I'm here, your millennial Gen Y, Dash, and I'm here with Fiona. Hello. Gen X. Gen X. And I am so thankful that our guest said yes to chatting to us today. Um, so I first met our guest, Craig, when I think, I don't know, what? Gl- um, how old was I?
1: Uh, look, I would have been there in 1995. Oh, God. So...
0: I don't think I was in high school yet.
1: I don't think you were.
0: <laughs> Where did you
1: meet?
0: At church. Oh, okay. Yeah. So Craig was my youth pastor for huh. quite a long time.
1: About three years. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: So welcome, Craig. But Thank I you. haven't seen you since I was like maybe, I don't know... Fifteen, sixteen. It's so. been a while. It's been a long time. So we have a lot to catch up we on. We do,
1: and I did listen to your story. A few stories about church. Yes, so it, was a, it was a good reflection.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, so yes, we're very honest and authentic on this um, podcast. Sometimes, um, so thank you so much. But we ask all our guests, Craig, when um, we first start, what generation do you belong to?
1: I'm um, very clearly Gen X. Uh, you know, the, uh, the, the, the fact that I can't distinguish when I'm being sarcastic and when I'm being authentic <laughs> is an amazing sign of Gen X.
2: I would agree. Yeah, yeah. I would we just sort of slip agree. into it
1: and we, we say things and it's like, oh, no, no, actually, I'm being serious.
2: <laughs> I did not I know I do that. think you're a it's good true. person. It's really true. Yeah. 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 You use it for, for laughter and for yeah, jokes as well, yeah. all sorts of stuff.
1: There's a great Simpsons episode where Homer goes to Lollapalooza and two Gen Xs are in the crowd and they go, oh, that was amazing. You're being sarcastic. And he goes, I don't even know anymore. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. I
0: am so going to keep an eye out now with all my Gen Xs as to whether or not they're being sarcastic or true.
1: Oh, no. Or it's not. because we were the unwanted generation and so we're special you're special we're you're special. Coping. We're coping that's your that's
0: coping, coping mechanism, mechanism. absolutely mm, so much to unpack we were there. the free
2: range kids mm, yeah yeah we were we, we were. were really free range yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah like i'm now thinking of chickens yep. which i don't know if that's what you were trying to go for but sure <laughs> just left to
2: our own devices <laughs> that's, right. that's what it is come home when it's dark yep <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly what it is yep. And even then, they're not worried.
0: <laughs> but, you know, as I'm a geriatric mer- millennial, I found out recently, and so I have a little bit of crossover with the Gen X. Yeah. Um, and we were pretty free-range. Yeah. We yeah. didn't have as much of that influence, but um, I, haven't, I haven't heard the sarcasm and the authenticity piece before. Um, but, Craig, tell us a little bit about yourself to get us started as well. Well, what... The- when? Snapshot first. Snapshot first. Okay.
1: Um, oh, look, I work in overseas aid and development. I'm mm-hmm. a writer as well for a philanthropic organisation here in Melbourne. Uh, I was married for 23 years. I have three great kids. I have a lovely ex, um, and I'm as gay as a parade. Your so best. that's that's the snapshot.
0: That's the snap. And you have a cat.
1: I do have a cat, Pablo. <laughs> Who, who is a obese, short-haired domestic <laughs> and needy, needy as. Yeah. I've ruined him. He wasn't like that when I got him. Okay. But he's just become needy and demanding.
0: You do know they say that pets are often a reflection Absolutely. of their own Okay.
1: I looked at him the other day and I said, I've just ruined you, haven't I? <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, that was a good snapshot to get us started. Thank you. And I think... Let's go from there. So I reached out to you because I've been seeing you on social media. So we haven't seen each other face-to-face for a very long time. I know. And I saw recently on social media that you posted about an anniversary.
1: Ah, yes.
0: And I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about that anniversary.
1: Well, it's anniversary season for me. Okay. Uh, but the one that kicked it off, of course, was... Uh, and I'm, I'm fuzzy on the date because I am fanatical about dates, Normally. Yeah. Like I, I know dates really well. I remember friends' birthdays, their kids' birthdays, stuff like that. But um, all I can do is say that it was the first day that I'd been uh, watching episode six, season four of Schitt's Creek. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd broken my patella in Canada. I was depressed. I was home. I had time to think. I, a friend of mine said, you're watching some really boring, some really depressing stuff. So, you should watch something funny, you'd love a shit's creek. And I did, fell in love with it, fell in love with Patrick. Um, Noah Reed, just if you're listening, Noah, I am <laughs> coming to see you October the 2nd when you're here in Melbourne. Bring your guards. Um, and I just watched Patrick uh, sing to David, to um, Dan Levy, who created the show. And I was watching it and I was thinking, oh, yeah, I really want somebody to sing to me like that. And I was like, hang on, you, you, you're married. You've been married, happily married for 20-odd years here. You, you've got someone to sing to you like that. And then a thought crashed in, which is, I want a man to sing to me like that. Mm, wow. And I didn't have any, anything else. Everybody else was out. They were out for most of the day working or at school. I, I didn't have work because I was sick with the broken patella. And I didn't have any way of rationalising it anymore. And it was like the shattering of glass. And it was like, oh, I'm gay. And then it was like, yeah, that makes sense.
0: So tell us how that made sense.
1: Well, it's interesting because mine's not... I'm, I mean, I still say to people, surely everybody comes out watching Shit's Creek. That's the way people come out now, <laughs> surely. But <laughs> I realised that my coming out story is not the stereotypical middle-aged man, one of, you know, going to his partner or his wife and saying yeah, I've known for the last 10, 12, 20 years and I've been screwing around and, yeah, yeah, this is what's going on and I just can't live with it anymore. Mine was just that sudden realisation. But then you sort of look back on your life, you do this revisionist theory of your life and you go, oh, yeah, there was that friendship that I was really invested in in high school, a little bit more than... It was probably just uh, a heterosexual friendship. Um, and then I remember the bully at um, Bayswater High, as it was back then. Um, and I, my memory of him was, you know, four foot wide shoulders and a narrow waist and rippling out of his shirt. And I'm going, oh, yeah, yeah, I did notice those things. Yeah. Um, and I always thought, because, you know, I grew up very scrawny and not particularly having a great view of myself, which occasionally got reinforced by other people. So I just sort of thought, if I saw somebody attractive, and saw a guy who was attractive, I I just want to look like that. I want to be like that. So I was able to rationalise that away. Why
2: why do you think it took so long to have that final realisation? What what do you... Yeah, because was it that you weren't seeing examples in life or... Like, what was it, do you think? Do you think on reflection?
1: On reflection, like, I've had a few people say to me, don't you wish you'd come out at 18? yeah and I go first of all, missed out on twenty odd years of a wonderful marriage, yeah mm. and three amazing kids which yeah. are gifts to this world, yeah um and I sort of think I wouldn't ever take that back, but First of all, I grew up in Bayswater, in the outer eastern suburbs of Melbourne, uh, during the AIDS epidemic. Yeah. Um, the memory, uh, the distinct memory I have of being sixteen or seventeen and watching the Grim Reaper bowling down people, mm-hmm. and you know, studies have shown that that ad actually has done more harm because it drove people underground. I had a friend who was effeminate, who actually ended up being gay, but um, and he got beaten up for just being effeminate.
2: Yeah. So there wasn't a
1: language of, ah. Oh, Maybe I am. And there certainly wasn't a sense of, oh, well, if I am, I can come out. Mm.
2: I'm so glad you brought up that ad because okay. I actually, um, before the interview, thought about that. Mm. And I thought that's probably one of the things because... Of course, I'm similar age to you, yeah. and I, that's a core memory for me of what, yeah, that, that's what yeah, it was reflected it was. as, and the blame put onto that community yeah, about yeah. this disease, and yeah, it was a shocking thing it was, to go through.
1: The stigma around Rock Hudson. Yeah. yeah. Um, Freddie Mercury. Freddie Mercury. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it was all those sorts of things that I just think, I just didn't have a language for it. Yeah. Which as somebody who writes for a living, seems a really strange thing to say. Yeah. But I was reflecting on it the other day and I think uh, it was just time. It yeah. was obviously the right time. Yeah.
0: So I guess for me, although I do need to just also say, we studied the Grim Reaper ad because I'm trained in public health as an yeah. example of what not to do. Yeah. Like, so it's oh, actually really? now like a very strong example of how not to do public health messaging. Yeah um and so yes hopefully you'll never ever see that again because Something it like did that again. it did end up with a lot of stigma a lot of fear yeah. a lot of as you said people going underground not being able to express um, th- who they were but also get help
1: yeah. to access the th- things they needed for yeah. safe sex and yeah. Yeah. education around that yeah, yeah.
0: so devastating mm. absolutely devastating and yeah um, yeah, anyway, we'll have lots of conversations about that. But um, I guess the other overlays... So when you were growing up, were you going to church as well?
1: We, we made brief appearances at an Anglican church after my mother and father uh, divorced. And I think mum wanted Sunday mornings to herself, so she sent me and my brother off to an Anglican church. And I never darkened another church again until I was um, 20. okay did which not was, know
0: this about which, you. <laughs>
1: which was the church that we were at.
0: Wow. Yeah. So how did this happen? Like, how did you come to church then?
1: Um, Through Late. a friend. Through a okay. friend. Yeah, through a friend. And I saw the change in his life. And I thought, oh, yeah, I kind of want that. And so I did and I bought into it. I was conservative evangelical for a good part of my early years, which is... Ugh, embarrassing, <laughs> <laughs> mortifying, actually. Even where I am now. <laughs> yeah.
0: But how how did that also play into yeah. the sense making around this? Well,
1: yeah. Um, so I went to Bible College about eighteen months after I sort of, you know, got converted. Yeah. And so immediately you're in a conservative setting. Yeah. And then it's just. And, and you're living with guys. You're like, you're rooming with guys. Yeah. yeah. Um, so there was no... It was the... the you know, somebody left and the rumour was it was because he was gay and he yeah. was asked to leave.
2: Oh, wow. Okay. And,
1: and you just so sort of... Zero yeah. tolerance? Zero tolerance. It was... Um, you know, if you think of what the American church is like at the moment and the Pentecostal church is moving to in Australia at this stage, it was that yeah. level of... You know, there's so many bad things in the world, but the gays, the gays are the worst. Yeah. There's famine, but there's the gays. Yeah. You know, and, and they're going to ruin society. And you yeah. think
2: that view's getting worse, like it's getting stronger? I think it's coming back.
1: Wow. What a time to come out. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just <laughs> rejoicing in that. Uh, the rise of the, the religious right. Yeah. It's you know, very scary what's happening is. in America in uh, particular. Uh, the, the, the bills against trans rights. Um, That's uh, it's, right. It's huge over in the US. And we know from experience that what happens over there will happen over here if mm. we don't be careful. But this, yeah, so there was no language. Mm-hmm. Again, you, there was no sense of, do you think you're gay? Well, maybe explore that. Um, I'm not going to go into too much detail about this particular thing, but there was a while there that I started to think that maybe I was gay. Mm. Yeah. And so who did I ring? Exodus International. Oh. Oh, yeah. And I bailed probably halfway through that phone call. Yeah. So I was one of the people who didn't have to go through a conversion therapy because I didn't know that I was. Yeah. And I didn't, but I've spoken to a fair few guys of my age group, who have all been through that. That's and, and, so
2: horrifying.
1: Or if they came from a Pentecostal church, got married to a woman early, and she wasn't told. Yeah. yeah, Because, you know, she's a woman. So let's just be homophobic and misogynistic in one fell swoop. Yeah. So, yeah, that was the level of what was going on. Yeah. There was no chance to explore so a that, safe space.
0: So then you're sitting, watching Schitt's Creek. Creek yeah. watching Innocently. Innoc- <laughs> Innocently. <laughs> and feeling pretty crap because you're injured and no one's around. Yeah, and there was no a work trip around. that I
1: was looking forward to and I did it within 12 hours of getting there. And so I was in a deep funk.
0: Yeah. And, and Schitt's Creek
1: took me out of it.
0: Uh, beautiful Noah Reed is singing. Noah Reed. <laughs> but <clears throat> what happened next?
1: On existential dread. Um, my world crashed uh, yeah. for the next five weeks or so. I'm not sure because normally that sort of thing, I'd say, oh, yeah, I watched that on whatever day it was. I've guessed it's July 12. Yeah. yeah. We've gone, and, and you know my ex, Danny, has gone back um, through our records to see if it comes up when you, show, when you first watch something. Yeah. And for some reason, shit's Creek doesn't come up. Yeah. Uh-huh. So we haven't been able to pinpoint it. Um, but I reckon it was July 12th. Roughly, um, yeah. And then for the next five weeks, I I cried myself to sleep every night. Not because I was gay, but because I thought I was going to lose everything.
2: Had you told your wife? No, no, no yeah. No, so I, she was, would have thought you were depressed or yeah, be worried of about you because the, the, the broken leg. And, yeah. and people
1: were asking you, "You're pretty down, Craig." And I go, "Yeah, it's kind of common when you break." Yeah. Something, you know. Yeah. And, and they knew the story behind how much I was looking forward to the trip and all that sort yeah. of thing. So, yeah, I, I am not able to keep things to myself very well, but I went five weeks, which is kind of a record for me.
2: And was that five weeks
1: like fighting it?
2: Almost like, I can't do this, nah. I can, I can't do this, I can. Or, or was it like, I am going to do this and I'm just trying to get my uh, head around it?
1: it we were talking about honesty and authenticity yeah. uh, before uh, we came on and I am many things. One of them is authentic. Yeah. And once, once it clicked, it was like, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I am. And it makes so much sense. But I'm married. Mm. I've got these beautiful kids. i have working in uh, overseas aid development, which has a strong connection to a church tradition. Yeah. Am I going to lose my job? Yeah. Um, Am I going to lose my friends? Am I going to lose my family? And I love being a dad and Mm -hmm. I loved being a husband. Noah Reed. Yeah. Point (laughs) taken. Um, You know, so I was just seeing loss. Uh, I didn't know how I was going to work through it. And we weren't uh, financially well off. So I was even thinking, how does this work? Yeah. You know, how do I sort of start paying for, you know, it was, um, it was kind of horrific for five weeks. Um, Yeah.
0: So for five weeks you were trying to make sense of, and all of this in your head. When did you then, who did you talk to? What happened?
1: Um, I talked because I thought I wanted a free hit. Mm. I didn't want to. Talk to Dan straight away. Yeah, uh, I wanted a free hit. I wanted to sort of go. Oh, I, I just need to tell somebody, and I, I'd started. Yeah, uh, look, I got a friend, and I told him, and like, it went okay. didn't go great. I think we would. Was both... your
2: friend shocked, or just
0: mm,
1: Fiona? Nobody's been shocked.
2: Okay,
0: <laughs> well that's telling.
1: It's, yeah, yeah. I just wish somebody had once said, really. You, I don't believe it. <laughs> um, but nobody's sort of going, oh, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, get yeah. off my lap. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> so that didn't go in retrospect as well as I would have liked. Um, uh, like, it wasn't bad, but just there's a few mixed emotions wrapped mm. up in that. Um, and three days later, uh, I told Dan. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, and, um so this friend had sort of said to me, oh, some part of the conversation said, "Are you sure you're gay? Maybe you're bi," and mm-hmm. I can sort of see why they made that point. You know, you've been married for twenty blah 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 blah. Yeah. So I came out to Danny, and I sort of said, "I think I'm bi." And she looked me in the eye and she said, "Are you sure you're not gay?" <laughs> um, but as much as I sort of don't. Like the fact that the first person was sort of telling me what my sexuality or suggesting what my sexuality actually was, it bought us time, yeah. Because by we sort of thought we can work through this, and uh, mm. so I said we need to go to marriage counseling, and she just shook her head at me and said, Uh, you need to get yourself fixed up first,
2: yeah, yeah,
1: you know, which was, was so wise and brilliant, and so yeah, I started the longest relationship I've had with a man, and that's my psych. <laughs> um,
0: but how does one even find a psych that is comfortable to talk to about this kind of...
1: One types in LGBTQI plus psychologists. Yeah. Okay. okay. And for a while I thought he was gay, but he's not. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, but he's been brilliant. Yeah. Oh, just so good. I've been so fortunate. And one of the things, he's, he's just said so many things that have stuck with me. One is that, uh, Craig, you determine who's safe. Yeah, Yeah. That was so permission-giving. Yeah. Um, And the other thing is, was um, you're not different. You're just going to be more Craig than you've ever been. Oh, it's just like... I really like that. That's a really nice way to put it. a really scary thought. Yeah. But but it was sort of like, wow. Yeah. So I lucked into that. Because I was
0: just going to say, like, often people have to, like, try a few sucks before they find one that they Fit with yeah. That's been my experience and a lot of my friends' experiences. We talk about that all the time, yeah. psych shopping
1: and our yeah. criteria. Like um, a psych dating app. Yes.
0: Can
2: I just ask a question around sure. that? Because I love that he said that. Yeah. Do you feel, you know, now on reflection it's made you a better parent, a better, like, partner? Like, do you think because you're more authentic to who you are?
1: Yeah, look, um, obviously our marriage is ended. Of course, yeah. um, But we still gather every Monday night as yeah. a family for dinner.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, and You're still a family. We're
1: still a family and we just sort of look at it as, uh, we're a family in two locations. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, the boys um, still come around uh, every second weekend. And yeah. My daughter's still, she's moved out of home now, so yeah. I sort of said to her, you don't have to keep doing that. <laughs> um, and she comes around for dinner to get free fish and chips. Yeah. Don't you, sweetie? Um, <laughs> when we have them. But I think it's made me um, more authentic. Yeah. I think it has made me a better parent. Yeah. Um, I'm more me. Um, I'm not as present as I was and I really miss that. Yeah. The fact that I'm not there when they come home, I'm not there when they get up and all that sort of thing. Yeah. We're also getting to that stage in life where that was coming to an end anyway. Yeah, at that age. Yeah, Yeah. they, they weren't... They weren't young, and so we were able to explain and take them on the journey. And, of course, the pandemic happened probably about six months afterwards. So we actually got locked, like all of Melbourne did, but that was safe for us because we were able to work through the stuff without the pressure from external people Um, because it's the sort of thing you tell people face-to-face. And so we worked it through ourselves, and that was a... um, Yeah of silver lining on a pretty dark cloud uh, of COVID-19 for us. It was just, we had the space to work it through. And so when COVID ended, we're actually in a pretty, we'd gone through a lot of our grief.
0: It's really interesting because um, I'm a big Brene Brown fan Mm. and um, she does talk about processing your own grief and your own pain and your own hurt before you start telling people. And I do think there's a lot of wisdom in that, but often we're forced to. Like the authenticity can sometimes have a flip side yeah. where you feel like, oh, I have to tell you or I have to be real with you. And so, yeah, like yeah. being, sec- like I guess, secluded in having to process it as a family unit. Yeah. Um, yeah, must have been a nice thing in retrospect, even yeah. though the COVID thing was a bit annoying. Yeah,
1: it was a nice thing in retrospect. And some people obviously in the months before that had been told. Yeah. Um, but they were pretty close. Yeah. So we just didn't have to take it out, excuse me, beyond that. Yeah. So that was a bit of a breathing space and um, kind of the reason why, you know, uh, I think Danny and I stayed together for 18 months after mm. after telling her. Mm-hmm. And we just had time to work it through. We weren't going to move out or I wasn't going to move out during lockdown and We were still for a while there and and I'm not going to tell any of her story because that's her story to tell and she's a remarkable, remarkable person who I probably love and respect more than I ever have. But we were going to try and will and grace it for a while. Yeah. Yeah. And then we realised I was kind of more like Jack and Karen Um, (laughs) and that didn't quite work. It wasn't going to work. Um, And so... And and, uh, we we made the decision at a at a dinner that we had together uh, um, i picked a place that we'd never been to so we didn't cruel any memories mm. of good times there or anything like that and you know we sort of looked at one another and said what do you reckon mm. and she said i think it's about time and i said thank goodness that you're thinking the same thing that i'm thinking and so this is that's it and there was couples all around us and I just wanted to put my arm up and go, waiter, your worst champagne. (laughs) Um, But, you know, we were able to go home and a couple of days later tell the kids and they they were able to say, look, we really want to thank you for showing us how things can end well. Mm. Oh, wow. It's pretty incredible. Yeah, um, I don't like to... myself on the back too often, but I think we've done it pretty well. Yeah. I'm pretty proud of the work. Very way we've respectful. Done it. Yeah. Well we did say right from the start we're gonna do this with love and respect whatever yeah. happens. Yeah. yeah. And we were clear with each other what that meant. And you know
2: Because I imagine because you're in the community, that's not the experience of so many people in the community.
1: It's so rare.
2: Like you're lucky to have a woman like her who you yeah. could work this through with Yeah, yeah I
1: and I think it's because for both of us, and I can only really speak for myself, there was no betrayal beforehand. Yeah. So yeah. you can actually, it's a clean sheet. Yeah. So basically, as soon as I've realised, give or take mm. a few weeks of processing of myself. I You've come you, clean. I've come yeah. clean. Yeah. 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 And yeah. Mm. Uh.
0: There is a power in sense-making together.
1: There really is. And two heads are better than one and mm. two hearts are better than one. Mm. to work through this sort of thing and and through my low ebb she was supportive of me and when she hit her low ebb and her you know she went through those grief stages I was able to be as much of a support as I could be for her and, and yeah we just got ourselves through it mm. I And mean, we can sit across the table now and drink a couple of glasses of rosé and
0: so you've talked a lot about kind of the things that helped yeah what was not helpful
1: uh friends who um, had only, uh, I think, saw us as a couple. Yeah. You know, I, I haven't had a lot of stuff happen to me because I'm gay. I've had a lot of stuff happen to me because I'm single. Oh.
2: Uh. Yeah,
1: yeah. So a mate of mine that I've known for 37 years, since we were born, of course. Um <laughs> We've recently reconnected over the last six to 12 months and he's been going through some stuff and obviously I've been going through some stuff. And just the other week he invited me around to his house to have dinner with him and his kids and his wife was out, who I've also known for that period of time. And I just sort of sat there and I thought, oh, yeah, this is what friends do. Yeah. They invite you to their house mm. and let you break bread together. Um, and it's just struck me that... Uh, a few of my friends had stopped doing that,
2: uh-huh.
1: and uh, I I get the grief that they're going through because some we were close. I'm just not as close to them as I used to be. I'm sure the narrative is because I'm gay. Um, that's possibly part of it, but it's also authentic, full self, Craig. Mm. Um, that that was hard. Um, what well, sort of you know people trying to work through the reasons why I was gay wasn't Uh, helpful yeah oh your parents separated have you talked to your psych about that I'm going yeah well yeah like 50 percent of marriages break down in this country so so the gays we should be the queers we should have more than six percent of the population yeah that's the case um you know yeah just stuff like that wasn't really helpful and yeah that, that's, that's painful stuff. You, mm. you sort of have to... And it wasn't stuff that I expected. Um, mm. And you sort of realise... Um, yeah, yeah I, I don't even know how to express it. I'm, yeah. just, I'm really still at the start of processing that because it's moved out two years ago. So I really see that as me starting to, to live a, a gay lifestyle. Yeah, yeah. Um, And I sort of go... Yeah, there's just a lot of things I wasn't expecting. And you just sort of think, you look around and you go, I've got a, a really different set of friends and I've had to sort of rebuild. I've had some friends who were sort of, you know, in that second tier of friendship that have just yep. come to the fore. Yeah. And it's just amazing and beautiful. And, and I don't think some of those friends who have stepped away will always be away. It's just a season.
2: They need their own time to process they, and things like really that. really yeah.
1: do and I really try and be respectful of that. I think it's a bit confronting. And I've changed. I fully recognised yeah. I am not the same person I was two years ago, four years ago. And I think somebody said that to Dan. And, you know, she's had so many opportunities to pot-shot me. And she goes, how do you him to have stayed the same <laughs> after everything he's been through? And her words to me at that dinner were, you haven't gone through all of this to keep living with me. No. Yeah. And you just go. We get it, and I sort of think if we can get it, (laughs) everybody else should just get on board. And most people have, but, yeah, you've just sort of... You sort of and church has been one of those things. I've noticed that... You may want to talk about that, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I am curious. Tell us. Tell Tell us what happened. Um,
2: So you're still involved with the church?
1: uh, Look, I haven't been... I think Easter Sunday was my last... Okay. service there this year, which is a big break for me. I just had a reflection. No, I think I went to another service after Easter Sunday because that's where I had this reflection. And I was coming out more and more. Um, And I just realised that when I set foot back in this building, I'm stepping back into the closet. Yeah. Yeah. I can't do that. Yeah. I really can't do that. And they... You know, they've been really good. Like a lot of the church leadership, were some of the first people to know, and were really accepting, and and a lot of them are my friends. But yeah, it's just sort of there, and I'm going.
2: Just it's hard when you can't be authentic in the house. Absolutely, absolutely I get it.
1: Yeah, and I just sort of think I just can't do it for the moment.
0: It's interesting because I'm curious as to whether or not it is the building and the teaching that that represents versus the people, because I find for myself. Mm that some of my good friends and my best conversations are still with friends that I knew from church and yeah. I have really yeah, amazing yeah. times with them. But for both Scott and I, we cannot handle actually going into the building of a church. Like yeah. we have a visceral reaction yeah, to yeah. that.
1: That's really common. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's... I haven't had that so much, but it was, it was just going to a service and I was going, there's nothing here for me in this current and in the state that i'm in
2: so did you feel like they're not your tribe anymore that's how my sister and i would describe but mm. your tribe you got a new tribe i got a new tribe yeah
1: building a new tribe and that's really hard to say and like one of my be- she's probably my bestie at the moment she's from church yeah yeah, yeah. And, you know she's one of those people that's just stepped up yeah and has been just an amazing support um, but a lot of us, I think, um, of my generation are, are really beginning to post the pandemic. Yeah. Uh, re- reflecting on things and, and church is one of those. Yeah. I don't know if churches across the board have actually pivoted to that. Well, there's, a, there's a church that has invited. Look, like, Actually, my church asked me to speak. Oh, that's great. And they've asked me to lead worship, not yes. sing. Yeah. It's terrible. But to, to lead the service, and I did that for a few times, but, you know, I was coming up on the roster and I was sort of thinking, oh, if, if I feel like I'm stepping into the closet, how can I lead authentically from the front? That's not giving my best to it, and, you know, the people that have gathered deserve the best. Yeah, it was just... It's been a bit discombobulating to to not have that.
0: Because it's been a big part of your life for so long and (laughs) you don't have to answer this question but i'm just wondering considering some of these core things that have changed in dynamic you're living by yourself Mm. you're no longer necessarily part of a church community would you call or describe what you are experiencing loneliness
1: yeah there's certainly been a lot of loneliness yeah um I think the thing that I'm doing is deconstructing my faith uh, big time, and that's that's a pretty lonely experience. Mm. Um, people don't get it. No. Because, like, you, you would have probably experienced the same thing. Yeah. Once you... And I haven't quite left the community, but my trajectory is away. And, you know, you would have had these conversations with the people in the community. Yeah. And then they're suddenly... You've moved, and they're not there. Yeah. Yeah. And I have noticed that over the last uh, few months or so that, uh, yeah, it's it's not like there's a stream of people knocking at my door going, oh, how are you doing? Where are you? And I guess people have got their own stuff to deal with, which is fair enough. But, yeah, I, I don't know. It, it, it has been lonely at times. Um, um, you know, that that first morning in my unit, waking up and it was so quiet.
2: Yeah. And it's was just like oh i've done it yeah yeah I've done it that's hard isn't it yeah here we are
1: here we are big breath <laughs> big breath big breath i get it's, it yeah
2: for a family of three kids and that wow would yeah. have been a big change it was yeah.
1: and yeah you sort of just go that's but it's part of what you have to do yeah to be yourself yeah mm. I and mean, it's a shame that it comes at a cost to others. Yeah. yeah. In my sense. Yeah.
2: It's interesting. You've said that a couple of times and about being, you know, um, thinking of yourself. But maybe it was time <laughs> that you thought about yourself. Like you realised that it was your turn. Yeah,
1: it's really interesting because the um, the common narrative around me from my friends was, you know, you're a little bit self-absorbed. You're a bit self-centred. Um,
2: Afterwards? No, no, before. Oh, before. Okay. Before. Before.
1: Um, My first boyfriend just kept telling me, you have never put yourself first. Yeah. Yeah. You have always put other people first. And the fact that you've only realised this late in life, and I would go, not this late in life, but this late in life is because you didn't put the thought into it. You didn't embrace those feelings. I'm going, that is just such a different narrative to what I'm used to.
2: I feel it's a really Gen X thing as well. I really do. Mm. That all that okay. sacrifice yeah. for others and not looking after yourself first. And then when You're you start the oldest I'm the oldest. Yeah. And when you start to look after yourself you feel bad about it. Yeah. You know, you have that language around, Oh, I'm being a bit selfish or I'm being yeah. a bit self centered. Yeah. It's crazy.
1: Yeah.
0: You know, like we started this conversation saying, Oh God, we're terrified about what's happening in the US. Yeah. But I also think, you know, curriculum through schools and some of the conversations that are happening with our Gen Zs and our Alphas... So good. Yeah, what are your thoughts on this?
1: I think it's fantastic. I think um, the fact that my kids um, know people, mm. you know, and the, the generation under them will know people who are gay or, uh, you know, have conversations with people that they say, yeah, they're teen teenage kids came around the other day and, and there's somebody and, you know, we were calling them this name one week, but the kids sort of said, oh, no, I recall it this is mm. their name now. Mm. Mm. And they just adapt. Mm-hmm. They do, so quick. They're so much better at it than we were. Yeah. Um, and I think for a lot of my generation, it's still, it's over, especially if they've had a church background, Yeah. it's overcoming that stigma yeah. that this is wrong somehow. And I've had people feedback sort of saying, oh, yeah, so-and-so thinks you're really selfish because of what you've done. And I'm kind of like, well, I would like to sit down with so-and-so yeah. and say, in my shoes, what would you have done? Yeah. How could you have done this better? Because I don't think you could have. And I don't think you'd like the space you'd went into if you didn't come out.
0: Yeah,
2: at least you know you're interesting if people are talking about you. Well,
1: you know what Oscar <laughs> Wilde always says: there's only one thing worse than talk, people talking about you, and that's people not talking <laughs> about, about you. you. So
0: talk away,
1: <laughs> I love it. Oh.
0: Um, so I guess you know thinking about Shits Creek, yeah, and that. Point of time was yeah. what, three years, four years? 3 we're, we're coming
1: up to four years. Four years. Coming up to four years. Okay. It's anniversary season. Because anniversary season. One
2: of the questions I had was, were you um, David or Patrick? But I've decided you're now David because Patrick's serenading you. <laughs>
0: Like oh, is I'm, that true? I'm David. Yeah.
2: I am so David. I've now decided that's um, what it is. We yeah, both yeah. watched Shit's Creek yeah, yeah, in yeah.
0: preparation. <laughs> we have loved, watched it before, but
2: yeah.
1: we no, seriously, Shit's
2: Creek got me through lockdown.
0: Yeah, 100%. A lot of people say I that. A lot 100%. Of say that. That. loved it so much. No, I'm
1: so David.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um we will go after the podcast tell each other what our characters are, but um <laughs> thinking before that, yeah. so maybe Craig of 5 years ago. Yeah. How would you describe Craig of five years ago?
1: Um, Look, uh, a pretty buoyant person. I had somebody tell me the other day that, you know, you're one of the more upbeat people that I've ever met. Um, I was buoyant. I was upbeat. Um, I was deeply insecure. Mm. I was really reliant on groupthink, a close group of friends to sort of help me through stuff and process stuff. I was deeply ashamed of my body and my looks and all of that sort of thing um i did not love myself Mm -hmm. i was very very passive in life um so yeah that 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 was craig five years ago um which is not a reflection on the people around me or a reflection on the the relationship I was in it no. was that was just my core mm. and I always battled that insecurity always battled that self hatred mm. that I had as a, a teenager yeah um, mm.
0: whereas in now
1: I love this Craig yeah I do <laughs> I ah oh, he's ballsy um he's brave he's proactive his word for this year and he's talking about himself in the third person. Um, <laughs> It, my word for this year was proactive yeah and it has reaped me so many rewards and it's just been brilliant mm. um I must admit I like the fact that men think I'm handsome yeah and I'm shallow enough to get off on that yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. it's nice yeah um and to get told it to, So, like, my my first boyfriend, my my only boyfriend at the stage, um, and it hasn't ended brilliantly, but I will always remember the fact that he adored me. Yeah. And would tell me that. And I'm sure my my face is lighting up. Yes, you are. You're grinning. I just, that's, I knew Danny loved me, but I thought that was her job. Yeah. Because she was my wife and that she was that one person. And then all of a sudden it's been people will call you handsome and they'll mean it. And it's like, I love that. That is weird and strange to me. And I sort of now look at myself in the mirror and go, yeah, that'll play.
0: Thank you so much for sharing your story with us today. Thank you for having me. It's Yeah, it's given us a lot to think about. And, you know, I reflect on um, some of the things that you have said and I will say... You know, I knew you growing up and I never thought that you were selfish and I never thought that you were self-absorbed. You were always someone I saw in a very caregiving role and I am so thankful that you are putting yourself first at the moment.
1: Thank you. Uh, I think that has been been a revelation as well to sort of think that I actually... Gotta put myself first yeah. at this stage. Sounds terrible to say, and you know how terrible that feels to say. It is. It is. But yeah. But we need to
0: do it. We need to do it. Need to do it.
2: We need to do it. Thank so you. Thank you
0: so thank much. Thank you so much. Hi everyone, it's Dash. Thanks for taking the time to listen to the XYZ Experiment podcast and don't forget to leave a rating and a review. If you've enjoyed our show and um, like what you're hearing, tell all your friends and family and hit that subscribe button. If you want to hear our updates and know when episodes drop, follow us on Instagram at the XYZ Experiment for all the latest updates and news. And our original music was composed and performed by the amazing Luke Champion.